Welcome to Sporting Hubris. My name's Craig Kamara. We got a huge show lined up for you tonight. Going to start off the show talking about Roger Clemens. We're going to get to the bottom of if the government will finally stop investigating players for performance-enhancing drugs. Then we're going to move on to Tim Linscombe and his last start in his hometown of Seattle, Washington, and finish it off with some Bounty Gate talk. New evidence released this week. We'll try to get to the bottom of it. With that said, as always, joining me from Los Angeles, California, the man with a not-so-secret crush on Nick Mangold's sister, <laughs> Grant Tolbert. Grant, how you doing today? Hey, oh, I'm doing fabulous. I'm working on a 32-ounce Monster Energy drink right now. Nice. Which is shockingly huge. So I might, uh, I might stop and have a heart attack halfway through the show. <laughs> I was going to say, that should get you to the end of the show. we got a lot, long show lined up. I'm so excited. For, and for the people out there without a um, Holly Mangold poster on the wall like Grant, just go ahead and look her up. Nick Mangold's sister, Holly Mangold, she will be a weightlifter in this uh, summer's Olympics in London. But moving on to our first topic, Grant, speaking of people with abnormally large-sized heads, Roger Clemens this week was found innocent on all charges. Now, this is the third government case against an athlete that's come up with nothing. We had Lance Armstrong. They investigated him for two years, never brought him to trial. We had Barry Bonds go through a conviction – I mean an indictment, a trial – and was convicted and slapped on the wrist and sent to his mansion for 30 days. And now we have Roger Clemens getting off scot-free. Grant, does this is this finally the end of the government investigating players for their personal lives and performance-enhancing drugs? I hope so. I, I, I guess the point is that they – I understand where they're coming from. And this is the one thing when you talk to anyone in the – what's it called? The belt, the beltway? is you, you just can't lie in front of Congress. They take it very seriously. Roger Clemens did. Or he, he wasn't, was he brought in front of Congress, or was he just uh, having no, a test? Yeah, he was definitely brought in front of Congress. <laughs> and that's a big no-no. So I understand them. They at least have to have that threat. The problem with them is they just look weaker because they haven't been able to convict anybody. Yeah, and they're spending all this taxpayer's money. Like, you'd think they, I mean... People were able to fix, fix a boxing match in Las Vegas. You'd think the government would at least be able to fix one of these verdicts to go their way so there's not pie on their face. <laughs> That's a pie in their face. I haven't heard that for a while. Or <laughs> well, egg. It's a, it's a Nickelodeon <laughs> reference uh, circa what would you do era. Are they gonna get, have they been getting green slime when they go up to the podium? The um, pie chair? Yeah. I, well, Double Dare, that was the name of that show, I believe. But yeah, when it comes to these these athletes being tried, I I guess I'm I'm of the philosophy where I'm not going to bring a, a case to to trial unless I know I can get a conviction or at least have a high probability rate of it. And this is it seems like every single one ends up ending the same way. I mean, they got bonds on. Why'd they get bonds on? Um, I I forgot, but it was really minor charge, and it was um obstruction of justice i believe for like one in like singular statement in like um uh what's that called the jury pre-jury trial i forget uh where you go yeah, speak to the jury before the trial not the actual trial jury but you know just to, to decide I, if you're going to be indicted or not x oh the grand jury grand jury there we go Thank yeah you. yeah and they spent the better i think they spent a whole damn decade on bonds trying to get them yeah and, and i mean all 30 days in, in his mansion. Days at home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Now, another thing I don't understand is what were the charges against Roger Clemens? Was he even found not guilty of taking performance fancy drugs? No, he wasn't even on he wasn't even on trial for that. I had to look it up. I looked up the counts. He he was charged with three counts of making false statements and two counts of perjury. Nowhere in there does it have anything to do with him actually taking performance enhancing drugs. They just couldn't. They had the biggest scumbag witness of all time as their key witness, McNamara, and I, it was a horrible case to bring against. I, I don't understand what they were thinking. Yeah, I mean, how could you base a whole trial on a guy that keeps evidence in a beer can, an empty beer can? <laughs> I mean, come on, Magne, McNamee or whatever his name was. I, <laughs> do, you, do you think that's why he got off, just because the main witness was such a slimeball? Oh, yeah. I, I would have rather had Jerry Sandusky as my main witness. I mean, this, <laughs> this guy just looks creepy to begin with. And there's no – Clemens is no angel either, but if I'm looking at between the two of them, which is basically this case was was put up. Who are you going to believe, Roger Clemens or McNamara? I'm going to have to go with Clemens too. I know what you're saying, but man, it's so hard to like admit that, right? I mean, does does anyone like Roger Clemens anymore? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> I, at the top of that list, I'd have to believe his wife must hate the guy. And <laughs> yeah. there's no way he's ever getting laid again by her, right? Yeah, exactly. You blame the whole, you know, your whole. Uh, HGH scandal on your wife wanting to look good in a bikini. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> that's brutal. That, that is. That's that's Texas loyalty for you right there. The thing, getting back to the Hall of Fame, I, yeah, I don't understand what what these people are, are thinking now. The thing that bothers me the most is Mark McGuire is so ostracized, it seems, in the voting for the Hall of Fame, yet all anyone ever found was some andro in his locker room which was legal at the time and i guess he's damned because of that testimony he gave in front of congress well not really the testimony he gave in front of congress he's damned by admitting he took steroids when he wanted to get the uh, hitting coach's job for tony larusso in the st louis oh, cardinals that's right but it, wasn't that kind of after the fact yeah I mean, exactly <laughs> that's a great to- point i mean if you watch that uh his testimony to the Congress, I mean, it was I'm guilty written all over his face. But the thing about McGuire that pains me now is at least he looked – at least he felt bad about it. At least it looked on his face that it, you know, like upset him. That's great. You know, he's the only one who's shown any remorse. That's a great point. Yeah, he, so you think that would make him more of a sympathetic figure than Roger Clemens. Um, I just – Exactly, but these now these writers are not taking it that way. They're taking it as – Oh, the government said he's innocent, and like you proved earlier, on no charge – he didn't never said he didn't take performance-enhancing drugs. He was innocent on not purging Congress. And But the writers are taking the side of, well, he's innocent now. Do we put him in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot? Now, is this fair to Mark McGuire? I mean, come on, man. He, he's the only guy that felt bad about this whole situation. <laughs> God. Well, it, well, if McGuire has no chance, and I take it, Palmero – can't forget about it. Look into my eyes. I did not take performance-enhancing drugs. It, you know, like you said, never purge, you know, commit perjury in front of Congress, Grant. But definitely never wag your finger in front of their face. I mean, come on. Yeah, I think Bill Clinton learned that lesson. <laughs> yeah. But apparently Paul Merrow didn't. But as, as McGuire said, we're not here to talk about the past. <laughs> we're here to talk about the future. Tim Lincecum, you said last time we were on. Going home to Seattle is going to help him focus. 
just one more time, can you tell me the logic behind behind that? My logic was he's a different type of character. He loves Seattle. He lives there in the offseason. He loves going home. He's been struggling leading up to this start. I figured he would take this start as kind of a breath of fresh air. He gets to be around his dad, who's been his pitching coach his entire life. I thought maybe the start in, start in Seattle would settle him down, and he would get back on track and start being dominant again. And how'd that turn out? <laughs> no he comment. Some, he somehow managed to raise an ERA that was at six. Yeah. He's, he's, he's now got the second worst ERA in all of baseball. He, and there's this, still this constant beating of what's wrong with Linscombe. Is he going to figure it out? Wait, did you and, just say the second worst ERA in entire Major League Baseball? Yes. Oh, man. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, is he hurt? Is he, is he just exhausted? When's he going to figure it out? And I think this is the only only people in San Francisco living in that San Francisco bubble are the ones asking these questions. I know uh, Rob Nyer of SB Baseball Nation was on a local uh, San Francisco radio station today, and they're asking him this question, and, and he says what I've been trying to, to pound into people's head. It, unless he's injured and it's something that can be fixed, then he's never going to be good again. You, and he's naming pitcher after pitcher. It just doesn't happen. Unless it's an injury that can be fixed, you don't gain your velocity back. You don't get better as you get older. Well, I read a thing today about him maybe tweaking his delivery, maybe changing the pre, maybe changing the release points to um, put a little less stress on his arm for the curveball and slider. I mean, do you think something like that maybe could lead to it? I mean, that's fixable, right? Or his his problems is fastball, and I. Is he even throwing a slider? I know in in spring training he said he wasn't going to throw it this year because he didn't want to put that wear and tear on his arm. Well, I mean, <laughs> he better start learning a split finger if he wants to go back to dominating games in the Major League Baseball. I mean, he needs to do something. Throw the slider. I mean, the worrying about hurting your arm right now is the last thing he needs to think about. He needs to think about getting people out. He needs to think about firing his agents First and foremost, the guy's probably lost $150 million by, by going year to year. The other thing, and I've, I'm sorry if I sound like a dick on this, he already throws a split finger. His changeup is a split finger. Um, that's why you get that big drop out of it. It's not a circle change. It's a split finger. Pretty much the same grip. Am I wrong in that? No, that sounds like knowledge to me. I didn't know that. Okay, so he's got problems. That's obvious. I wanted to bring up this, though. Between the second inning and the fifth inning, he retired 10 of 11 batters. Now, is that just an anomaly, or is that you know, maybe a hope for the future? It's, it's neither. His problem, his problem is, if you break down the stats even farther, he has the worst percentage of leaving runners on base. In other words, once a runner gets on base, he has the highest percentage of them scoring. That's interesting because in the game in Seattle the other night, in the sixth inning, he put one guy on base with the tie game. They took him out of the game, and that guy ended up coming around and scoring. So, like, it, even well, even when he's not in the game, that guy still scores, to prove your point. Yeah, and so it's obvious to me his problem is, and if you watch him, it's easy to see this, he can't throw out of the stretch. He, he just can't generate the velocity, the location that he does when he's throwing from the windup. 
Now, is that the torque issue? Maybe he can't cause enough uh, torque with his body twist on the stretch? That would make sense. That'd be my first guess at it. Uh, I I would tend to go there. I haven't sat down and broke it down that much, but he is a totally different pitcher when he's in the stretch. And you can almost see him now when people are getting on base, he gets so defeated. And, and I think that backs up the story of, oh, because he will have those retired 10 in a row or 11 out of 12, but he always keeps having that one big innings because he struggles so much when people get on base. Hmm. That's interesting. I haven't heard that before, but I always noticed even, even on the years he did good, I think, hasn't he always had kind of a problem out of the stretch, but it's just maybe now it's magnified? Yeah. You know, you've always got that sense that he wasn't as good of a pitcher out of the stretch okay. as he is in the windup. And now I think it's going, it's, it's come full blown. Yeah, that's too bad for Timmy. I mean, I hope he can pick it up someday. But, I mean, you got anything left on Linscombe? Nothing left on Linscombe other than uh, one of these days I do want to do a deep dive into his agents and the whole – who's to blame for his contract? Because it is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in sports in terms of contracts. For sure. We'll get into that on a later show. So let's go ahead and move this on, Grant. Let's uh, wrap up the show with a little Bounty Gate talk. New information released this week um, from the NFL trying to condemn the players for their actions during this scandal. You know, I I thought of many questions, Grant, but I want to lead it off with just a simple question. Who's wrong here? I mean, is it is it the NFL or is it the players? I don't even know anymore. The players are wrong. It doesn't make them bad people, I guess. But the culture needs to change, and they're going to be made the scapegoat. They're the guinea pigs to change the culture, and that's just the way it happens. I'm, I'm more – I would be more – offended if I was Plexico Burris having to go to prison for three years because I shot myself than having to sit out a year because I offered someone $10,000 to injure someone else. I mean, I think the players are lucky they're not having criminal charges brought up on them. I wouldn't like to see that, but they're lucky not to happen. But I mean, this stuff happens in society. You, you know, sometimes it's going to happen to you. Yeah, I mean, but some of the characters, I mean, there were just shady characters involved. Did you see the email Greg Williams got from some guy outside the organization asking him for the money to pay the guys for the bounty? Wow, no, no, I haven't heard about this at all. Yeah, so basically this guy sends Greg Williams an email, and he's like, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but like, don't worry, asshole, I'll I'll get you the money. I told you I'd give you 1500 this week, and I'll give you another 1500 in four days. And it's like from a guy – it's like one of those shady like maybe probably HGH dealers, you know, some guy that's not in the organization sending a coach these emails. That's, a, that's like, how are you, pretty bad. Yeah, I mean how are you going to tell the NFL they're wrong and it's defamation of character when, when your character had led you to do these events? Which – exactly, which I don't get. I understand that the releasing of the evidence by the NFL has been a little bit clumsy. But I, there's no doubt in my mind that they have completely damning evidence. My theory on it is, I mean, all, all their security guys are ex-CIA, ex-FBI agents. They were After they warned them the first time in 2009, they were wiretapping their phones, wiretapping their offices. I, I think they have those recordings, and that's why they're so definitive about knowing the Saints did this. At the same time, they know they can't release 
those tapes because it's illegal. <laughs> I but, got I mean, we're, we're talking about a organization in the NFL that, I mean, the, the, the teams hire private investigators to follow around potential draft picks without them knowing to, to find out if they're into anything. When Adam Pacman Jones was going to meet with a commissioner in regards to his suspension, the commissioner had him followed the night before as soon as he got off the plane in New York City. I don't think it's above the NFL's ethics to wire illegally wiretap these people. Wow, that is a bomb. I haven't even even thought about that. Jeez, um, let me try to put my thoughts together here. So you're saying the NFL, and this makes completely sense, complete sense now that you brought it up. The NFL has basically done their own surveillance on every team in the league. They knew what was going on. And the reason they're kind of leaking this out is just because they, the, what they did is against the law, man. That's a great point, Grant. Why aren't you on national television debating this with Skip? <laughs> it is unbelievable. That, that is unbelievable. I mean, when you think about it, it's a $9 billion business or something ridiculous. What is it? It's up. Yeah, $9 billion, I believe. $9 billion a year. I, I mean, I why, they- why not spend a couple, you know— a million bucks to hire some some of the best investigators in the country. Of course, they're wiretapping. I mean, that that makes so much sense. I I'm just blown away. Whatever. Yeah, and these, these Saints players just defamation of character and whining about due process. This isn't a court of law. This is a private organization with antitrust exemption status that can has a collectively bargained agreement that can do whatever the hell it wants. The players agree to it. There's I don't think they have a leg to stand on. It comes across as whining to me, but for some reason, the public, there's a large segment of the public that is siding with the players. And why do you think that is? The players' only defense is they're trying to portray Roger Goodell in this awful dictator light, this Saddam Hussein character who's just doing whatever he wants to do and making up evidence as he goes along. I don't, I don't know. I don't see it. I see it as a tactic that the players are using, and I think to some extent it seems to be working. Do you think they're just upset they can't play the game of football next year for some of them? I mean, because it seems like the guys that are suspended are the most upset about all this. Anyone that was fined or has gone for one game, you know, they're not too upset, but it's like Fujita, he's gone for four games, and Vilma's gone for an entire year. I mean, and, and Yeah, Vil- Vilma stands to lose $8 million, and I see it from one— I mean, NFL players don't get a paycheck every week of the year. They get game checks. The rest, So they're getting 16 checks a year, all in a four-month span. And for the rest of the year, they're not getting paid at all. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Vilma is someone who, who is living paycheck to paycheck, and now he's screwed. So, I mean, can't, does he have any legs to stand on them, him by himself, a defamation of character? Because now he can't make a living, right? <laughs> Yes, but it, this is no. There are no infringements on the Constitution here. Playing in the NFL is a privilege, and it's at the discretion of the NFL whether you can do it or not. I don't think they have a leg to stand on. I think this is much ado about nothing. Nothing is going to come of it, and I don't see Goodell even back. If maybe if they would have taken a different route and not tried to be so defiant, Goodell might have cut back the suspension for Vilma, maybe to 12 games. But I think he's making an example now. So crazy scenario, Grant. What if Jonathan Vilma hires investigators and they find out the NFL has wiretapped every team 
and they have all of this evidence they're not releasing. Do you think there's a media firestorm in the opposite direction against the NFL? Or are they just such a big corporation that it, it wouldn't even matter? Yeah, that would be the story. Absolutely the story. If there was some evidence coming out that the NFL is illegally spying on, on people. But I could also see at the same time, any private investigator, the word's probably out there that by the NFL, hey, wh- whatever you find will double what they're paying you. Keep <laughs> quiet, you know? <laughs> Got every angle covered, Grant. I like it. <laughs> So, I mean, the last thing I wanted to get on this subject, I, I wanted to talk about Greg Williams and how much of an idiot it is, but just go look it up for yourselves, folks. Go look at the articles and look at some of the motivational blurbs he put on the uh, overhead for the Saints. This guy is one of the dumbest guys in the United States of America right now. But my question to you, Grant, is about this whole ba- bounty gate, ticket gate. You know, Patriot Gate, everything is these gates for sports scandals now. I mean, is this just the most lazy – is this like a lazy journalism tactic? I mean, what's going on? Why is everyone calling it gate? I, You know, I, I feel you on that one. So I did, I did some research on it. I did my YouTube Wikipedia research, and it, the suffix actually started after, after Watergate. There was a, a conservative columnist for The New Yorker. And in a way to build Nixon back up, he started labeling everything as gate. Oh, kind of own the term and take over it and put, spin it into a positive light. Politicians do it all the time. Right. Well, to, to lower what, what, what Nixon went through and by trying to tar, by tarring his successors with the same reticle brush. And hmm. so you, you have a, a list. I mean, it actually goes back farther than I thought. For me, I remember starting with, was it Whitewater Gate? Or with the Clintons? Oh, the Clintons, I think it was Spermgate. Spermgate? <laughs> no, uh, they bought some land on a river in Arkansas or something. But it goes all the way back to September 1974 with Viet Gate. Can you Viet say that Gate again? goes all the way back to 1974, September, with Viet Gate. Then after that, you have Housegate, Iraqgate, Koreagate, Landsgate, Maggiegate, Nannygate, Raidergate, Scalpgate, Travelgate, Troopergate. Whitewatergate is the one I was trying to think of. But my all-time favorite is Closetgate. Now, this one came from the— Travolta? Uh, con- <laughs> this one came from the controversial South Park episode, Trapped in the Closet. Oh, w- one of the best South Park episodes of all time. <laughs> Which was— <laughs> And and then there's Tom. other silly. Yeah, Tom, we, <laughs> Tom, can you come out of the closet, Tom? <laughs> Tom, we're gonna need you to come out of the closet. Sorry about that, Grant. Go ahead. Yes, it's gone into even more. So we had remember Nipplegate with with oh, Justin JJ. Yeah. yeah. Then we there's a, the famous Glittergate, which I guess goes to any scandal involving glitter. Oh, was that the glitter bombs being thrown this year? I'm not sure. I, I, from what I've read, it applies to anything with glitter. The most famous one being when edible glitter was made. Oh, I was going to say, I was thinking Gary Glitter. My bad. <laughs> then there was also Clipgate, which came from Stephen Colbert mocking Fox News portrayal of Barack Obama and his jobs bill being clipped together rather than bound. Okay. It goes. The list goes on and on, though. So it. I thought like you that it might be something that's recently happened, but it dates back uh, almost 40 years. All right. I stand corrected, and fuck ESPN. I guess they're right on this one. 
It's still annoying, though. Stop being lazy journalists. Can we stop adding gate to everything? I mean, these are the ones that come to mind for me, Grant. We had ticket gate. That was the Super Bowl, Arizona, where the fans couldn't get uh, – they had tickets to the game but couldn't get seats. And we have Bounty Gate, Spy Gate. I mean, they just go – list goes on and on. But, yeah, that's all I got for tonight's show. Grant, you got anything left for us? I do. I did recently. While, while we're on the air right now, I got an a, a email, oh. celebrity email. From the great Canadian sprinter, Ben Johnson. Now, I don't know. We were talking about him on a previous show. You said he was dead. Uh-oh. <laughs> and from the email. From the grave? Have, from the grave? <laughs> uh, he wasn't too happy about it. He says, Craig and Grant, I'm very much alive and every bit as relevant as Canada's other great exports. Like Research in Motion, AM Radio, Trivial Pursuit, and the great rock bands Nickelback and Sum 41. I do love to show you guys keep up the good work, which is nice. However, just so we can set the record straight, Ben Johnson is alive. News to me, Ben Johnson's alive. I apologize to uh, all you big Ben Johnson fans out there who uh, tuned in to the 88 Seoul Olympics to cheer him on. Uh, My apologies. Well, that's all we got tonight for you folks. Thank you for joining us, and get the hell out of my office. Blue collar Eddie and his better half Dolores Used to be mantelpieces down at the Black Forest And I don't know if that bar still exists But when it did, so did they A couple bleeding hard kids Everything volatile, every night rocker style Hop a store.